Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Hallelujah. What's it to you? Let's go to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. We are in our continuing in our very long series. As there are 66 books in the Bible, so we have 66 parts in this series, and now we've come to 1 Timothy. This is the first of the pastoral epistles, what is known as the pastoral epistles. Two of them are the two letters to Timothy, and one of them is to Titus. And this is where Paul helps these young pastors learn what pastoring is about and what the responsibility of the pastor is and what church life is about. And 1 Timothy is six chapters, and it's a lot of encouragement from the Apostle Paul because this is a very special letter, no doubt, for him. Because he's written letters to churches and encouraged uh, these churches to stay strong in faith and encourage them to grow in the grace of God and, and all kinds of things to mature in and, and to experience in God, and even concerning the gifts of the Spirit. But now he comes to this letter, and this letter is especially special to him because this letter is to his son in the faith. And so it's a very personal matter for Paul now with him because I want, I want to just read you some things that he says about Timothy. Timothy's name is mentioned 26, 24 times uh, throughout Paul's writings. Well, 23 if you don't think Paul wrote Hebrews. Once in Hebrews uh, and 23 other places his name is mentioned. So he's very dear to Paul and, and an integral part of his ministry. And 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, he says this of Timothy, For this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. So he, he, he called, he saw Timothy as his faithful son, and that Timothy would tell them what he would tell them. He was confident in him. And look at, look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 16 as well. And, and this, is, this is where you see Paul's true care and concern for his son in faith. And if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear. For he does the work of the Lord as I also do. Therefore, let no one despise him, but send him on his journey in peace that he may come to me, for I am waiting for him with the brethren. Isn't that beautiful? You can see his great concern and care for Timothy and, and even possibly... This might lean toward a little bit of understanding of some things that Timothy dealt with. One of those things maybe being fear. Because even in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 1 7, he says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And we'll get to that next week. But um, so so he's helping them to, to care for Timothy in the way that he knows he needs to be cared for. Now, let's go over to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 19. This is really powerful. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. Verse 28, for I have no, or verse 20, for I have no one like-minded. You see who Timothy is to Paul now. There's nobody else to him. There's nobody else like Timothy to him. And, and he says, there's no one that gets me like Timothy does. 
No one as like-minded like who will sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus, but you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Now we're going to go over to 1 Timothy. And Paul wrote this letter somewhere around, it's believed, 58, 59 um, uh, A.D. And, and Timothy has at times even been in prison. Um, but and Hebrews references that. But <clears throat> And he was about to get out of prison. And I don't know if he was in prison with Paul, but one of the letters he's op he opens up, he says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants for Jesus Christ. And it was one of his prison epistles that he said this in. So it might be that Timothy uh, endured some imprisonment with Paul. And so Paul is continually uh, speaking into this young man's life, using him for the gospel. Wherever Paul can't go, he's sending Timothy because he knows they're going to get the same care, they're going to get the same message from him as he is from him. And no doubt he's grateful for that. First Timothy chapter 1, let's look at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. By the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope to Timothy, a true son in the faith. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and, the, and Jesus Christ our Lord. Now look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we come to the last chapter in this, this first letter where he says, verse 20, O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. You can see his concern and telling Timothy, listen, this is really important. You've got to get what I'm telling you here. And we're going to come back to that in just a moment. But the reason Paul wrote this letter, he says it plainly in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Let's turn over there for a moment. 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to begin in verse 14. And he says, these things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. Verse 15, but if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. I'm writing this so you may know how you should conduct yourself in the house of God. There's something about that. There's something about when we gather together and though we love one another and, and we care for one another and, and we have these, our relationships grow a little bit more every time we come together, there's something about this gathering that's special and different than other gatherings, isn't there? And that there's a certain conduct here. There's a certain way that we approach the house of God. One where it is, we have an expectation to hear from him. We have an expectation to experience the love of God amongst our brothers and sisters. We have an expectation to lift our hands and to worship him and to sing songs that glorify his name. We have an expectation, right? And we come in here to hear the word of God and to be and to grow in it and to, and to be grown in our own faith in God and to be encouraged and inspired and renewed in hope and healed if necessary and restored, whatever it might be, because we see that the house of God is a very special place. Yeah. Amen. And there's something that happens when God's people gather together and those anointings all come together in one that God meets us in special ways here like he doesn't anywhere else. Yeah. And that's why I want to encourage you to continue together as, yeah. as, as, as we are admonished in Hebrews that says, that says uh, uh, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. This is important to God. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some, 
but all the more encourage one another as you see the day approaching and stir one another up toward good, toward good works. Amen. So, um, in other words, invite people to church. Genesis chapter 28. I want to turn there for just a moment. He says, I want, I'm writing this so that you will know how to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And the first mention we see of the house of God is right here in Genesis chapter 28, verse 17. It says, and he was afraid, speaking of Jacob, who just had this vision during his sleep, had this dream. Remember the dream with the ladder that went up to heaven and angels were ascending and descending on that ladder and the Lord spoke to him from above that and he said that I, he was going to bless him and his, his, his uh, seed would be multiplied in the earth, his descendants would be great in the, in the earth. The same blessing they spoke over his father Isaac and the same blessing that he spoke over his grandfather Abraham. And now this pronouncement has come from God Almighty to Jacob himself and Jacob woke up and he said, surely the Lord was in this place and I did not know it. And that's, that's an astounding remark right there to me. And then he says, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. This is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. But he said, how awesome is this place? Surely the Lord was here, and I did not know it. I don't ever want to. I don't ever want to come to a gathering. I don't ever want to gather with God's people in the house of God and not realize and not be aware of his presence there and not be aware of his voice speaking to me Amen. and being distracted with other things or just seeing this yeah. gathering as a casual kind of setting. Yeah. But to always have that awareness that when we're all gathered here, surely he's here yeah. and he inhabits the praises of his people. Amen. And so I want to continue to come here with an expectation to hear from him and to experience him. And enjoy his presence and yeah. these times of refreshing that his spirit continually brings into our lives. Yeah. Thank you. And I know I'm talking to the right crowd because you're here on a Wednesday night. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Sunday's good, but Wednesdays and Sundays are better. So he's teaching Timothy. You, go, you read throughout this, this first epistle of Timothy and he talks about how things need to be put in order with those who desire to be overseers. And that's a good call. That's a good desire. And so he teaches them what, an overseer, uh, what is expected of an overseer and his conduct in the house. And what's expected of deacons as well. What's expected of how you care for widows. And what's expected of men's and women's roles. And all those things. So he lays these things out. And I'm not, I'm not going to get into all of that part of, the, of it because, uh, uh, well, we don't have time, but, but he's, he, he gives these instructions. And so I, I want to encourage any of you who, who, this is something my dad told me, and, and, and I've tried to stick to this as, much, as best as I can. He told me, you need to read those pastoral epistles regularly because every time you read through them, you realize you've got some more expanding to do. You've got some more growing to do. You've got some more learning. There's so much in there. And that'll help you stay focused on what you're truly called to do and not get distracted with, with other things, but stay in that pastoral realm and that pastoral teaching. So uh, if there's anyone here that that applies to, Brian. Um, <laughs> but, 
Amen. But look at this. I, I want you to, um, 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is, uh, this is where I want to get a, a memento to you for this tonight's teaching. Uh, verse 12 says, fight the good fight of faith. Can we all just read that out loud again? Fight the good fight of faith. Now, come on now. I need you to act like you're actually telling a boxer to fight. All right? You're watching your favorite fighter, right? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Amen. Huh? And he's, Amen. and he's not swinging as hard as you know he can. Huh? Yeah. Come on. Are you ready? Let's read it. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Remember the big picture. Remember this life is not, a lot, not everything. This is just a little speck in time compared to this eternal life that God has gifted you. Lay hold on the greater thing. Lay hold on the life that never ends. To which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. I read that and I thought, what in the heck is he talking about? To which you also were called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And then he compares it to Jesus Christ who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. Don't you think we should go look over there and see what the heck he's talking about? Yes? You want to go? Okay, good. Let's go over to John chapter 18. John chapter 18. He's standing before Pilate and Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. Uh, lay hold of eternal life. That which never ends. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would what? Would fight. So that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now my kingdom is not from here. So Paul is saying, you fight the good fight of faith. You don't fight with others because you're part of a kingdom that's not of this world. All right, so we're not fighting in the natural. We're not fighting by natural means. We're our, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Our fight is a fight of faith. Right? We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. You need to remember this. You need to remember this because somebody, there's a good chance that somebody tomorrow is going to tick you off. And if you're married, it's sure to happen. Huh? I had a student tell me the other day, he said, I was leaving, uh, leaving lunch and after having lunch with him, he says, stay out of trouble. I said, I'm married. I'm always in trouble. <laughs> that's not true. It's not true. She's ignoring me. So that's all right. No, there, there's a good chance. And you got to remember at that moment, no, well, wait a second. Wait a second. Here's an open door for me to fight in the flesh. Here's an open door for me to step into carnality and miss and get my eyes off the, my real purpose and get my eyes off who I really am and the kingdom that I'm really a part of. Because I'm not living for this life. I'm living for that life. I'm not fighting a fight in the flesh. I'm fighting a fight of faith. And the fight of faith is the fight that you win. 
I mean, think about it for just a moment. Think about what your initial faith in God got you. Eternal life. I'd say faith is really powerful then, isn't it? It pulled you right into this place called grace. This undeserved, unmerited, unearned favor. It pulled you right into this family, the family of Almighty God. It brought you totally out of darkness and into his marvelous light. When you believed God, you were opened up, opened up to a new creation. Hmm? That was just your initial faith. Now, if that initial faith can do that, what can your daily walk of faith do for you? See, that's why the scripture reminds us to... That what faith does, what it is, that which is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Even our faith. Well, Pastor, I know people that believed and they didn't get their victory. Okay, well, I guess the Bible's not true then. Throw that thing away. Hmm? We have to keep looking at the unseen. Just because you, just because we don't understand things, doesn't make the Bible not true. See, what God has revealed to us is what He wants us to know. And everything else, we believe and trust that He's good, and that He's a good God, and He's just, and He's right, and He knows exactly what He is doing. And he showed you what he's doing, and he showed you what the devil's doing, so that you never have to question his character and nature. When you see destruction, when you see things being stolen from you, you see things that are, are, that are bringing death. That's not when you go, well, Lord, what are you teaching me here? No, 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 that's what Jesus said. No, that's the thief's job. All right, so you know who your enemy is so that you can know how to fight. How can you fight if you don't know who your real enemy is? But since you know who he is and what his M.O. is, then you know who's on your side. And that's God Almighty who's on your side. And if God be for you, it doesn't matter who's against you. It doesn't matter. But your victory is not automatic. It's automatic from God's side, but it becomes the Reality by faith. And it's that unseen realm. Calling those things that be not as though they are. Bringing them into existence by declaring what God has said. It's a powerful thing. So he says, fight the good fight of faith. And then here he says, talks about this, this witness, right? This good confession. And he says, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king for this cause. Y'all have heard this scripture before, right? It's where we got our church name from. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. What's the truth he's bearing witness to? A kingdom that is not of this world. And when he came, he brought the kingdom with him. When Jesus came, he said, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. The blind see, the deaf hear, the devils are cast out. Hallelujah. The diseased are healed and the dead are raised. That's what the kingdom of God is. And I've come to bear witness of that truth. It's the reason I'm here. 
have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Now let's go back to Timothy again. And let's see what it says. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and confess the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. That confession was, hey, I understand now I belong to God. God belongs to me. And he, I'm, I'm part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Hallelujah. And I have a place, and I have a, I have a place in this earth right now. I have a call from God right now to release that kingdom in wherever I go. To release God's goodness into this earth wherever I go. And to declare it as it is in heaven, let it be on earth. So how is it in heaven? How is it in heaven? We got any sick people up there? So let it be on earth. Got any dead people up there? So let it be on earth. Got any sad people up there? So let it be on earth then. Hmm? The responsibility, my family, falls on us, the church, the sons of God. That's why the world is in travail. Because it's looking for the revealing of the sons of God. Waiting, 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 waiting. Who out there is going to bring that kingdom here? Who's going to open their mouth and fight the good fight of faith and declare by faith that good confession? And bring heaven to us. Amen. Thank God. And you have the power to do that. And not only do you have the power, God expects you. To do it. Amen. He expects you and I both, all of us, in our place, where we are right now, to bring his kingdom. How are we going to do that? We're going to declare that gospel, that good news that opens someone up to all of this kingdom reality. That is that Christ died for our sins and he was buried and he rose again the third day. Whoever believes on him will have everlasting life. I want to go to one last place. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Timothy is somebody who has taken it upon himself to be Paul's man. I mean, think about it. He got his initiation into the ministry was circumcision. And this is a guy who's willing to do what it takes. Huh? Hey, Timothy, I want you to come with me. But first... <laughs> I was telling my staff about a, the story I read. The, the Spanish-American War was imminent, and our president and our war room needed some intel. We needed intel from these Cuban insurgents who were led by this general by the name of Garcia. What they knew about General Garcia was that he was in the vastness of the mountains of Cuba, and that's as much as they knew. They had no way to correspond with him. They had no way to get a telegraph to him, a letter through the mail. They didn't, they didn't have cell phones, of course, you know, and they couldn't Facebook him. They couldn't do any of that. So McKinley said, who can we get to do this? And a man was there and said, if anybody can do it, Colonel Rowan can. And so they called for Rowan, and they gave him the order to get this message, get this letter to Garcia in the mountains of Cuba. 
And Colonel Rowan took the letter, folded it up, put it in a little pouch, put it up next to his heart. Four days later, he was from Washington. He was on Cuban soil after a treacherous boat ride. Three weeks later, he's back in Washington having delivered that message to General Garcia. And it was the at the dawn of this war, yet that intel that they received there changed the outcome of the war. What, what would be the outcome of the war, which was victory? From that moment that he received the command to go to the time he returned was all, almost a month later. And the adventures this man went on and the treachery and the, the difficulty that he went through to get that letter to Garcia, it mattered not. He got it done. He did all of that without asking, where is he? He simply took the letter and got it there. My family, we, it's really not that we need another sermon. <laughs> huh? It's not that we need more education or more learning or more instruction on what to do. We just need some men and women of God who will stand up strong get a backbone, huh, and get it done. Hmm? And not, not live in this indifference, in this indecisive thinking, in this passivity, but be people who will trust, huh, who will trust God no matter what, who will walk by faith, who will fight this good fight of faith and say, you know what, tell me what to do, I'll do it, God. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll make it happen. You speak to me to t tell others, I'm going to open my mouth. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, Ask you for 17 signs before I move my lazy rear end to do something for you. Huh? You tell me, I'll get the letter to Garcia. Hmm? Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, get the letter to Garcia. <laughs> Amen. Make it happen. You know, after, after all is said and done, historians tell us that Timothy, he ended up pastoring this massive church in Ephesus. And I've read several accounts of it, and it looks like from their numbers, this church averaged in attendance something like 60,000 people, all right? And what's interesting is that Paul, I love this. I love just the, the whole flow of this, that even though Timothy was in what we would call a successful pastor, right, <laughs> who's got thousands of people. I mean, this guy's at the, Paul, if he needed Timothy to go Somewhere, I need you to run over here to Macedonia. I need you to run over here to Asia. You know what Timothy would do? Yes, sir, I'm going. He didn't say, Paul. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Don't you know who I am now? Hmm? No. This is, what, this is what endeared Paul to him so much. This young man who was willing to learn, 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 and keep learning. Hmm? 1 Timothy 2, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying. A teacher? Because I think, I think uh, Paul had to had to keep coming back to this reality. Here I was, a Jew of Jews, a Jew of Jews, and this is what he made me, a teacher of the Gentiles. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. 
Yeah, thank God. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. Western civilization wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. There is one God and one mediator between God and man. I love the way this is worded. The man, Christ Jesus. Just to remind us again, there is a man seated next to Almighty God. His name is Jesus Christ. He is man and he is God. But I love the fact that he's man. I love that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And, and, and when he went back up to heaven, he didn't just turn back into the word. He stayed a man. He forever changed himself so that we could forever be confident and assured in his sacrifice. The very fact, think about it, the very fact that God became a man, let everybody here know that God was on your side, that God was out to seek you and to save you. The very fact that God became a man, that he was born a baby, that right there was proof that God was on our side. Why would he become like us? Why would he do that? Except to save us. Except to help us. Except to sympathize with us in our weakness. We have a really good mediator. We have somebody who knows us, who understands us, who feels our pain, who walked this earth, who, who faced temptation, who, who, who wept, who endured all kinds of hardships in life, and he knows exactly where you are. Don't think that Jesus Christ cannot understand your pain. Huh? He went through the worst kind of pain. Not only did he, did he deal with rejection from people, denial from one of his best guys, and betrayal from one of, one of his best guys. Not only did he, did he consist, constantly face ridicule and, and, and resistance from the religious system and temptation from the devil. And, and, and every once in a while, they would just try to kill him. Not only did he face all of those things, but there he is, the agony of that suffering, the agony of that cross, the, the whipping post, the nails in his hands and feet, the stripes on his back, the crown of thorns smashed down upon his head, hanging there, crucifying, suffocating, trying to stay alive. Every breath is excruciating. And then the worst happens when God forsook him. His own father forsook him. Just for a moment. But he had to because Jesus at that point became sin. And that had separated him. That's what sin does. It separated him from God. That's not the end of the story, though, because in that moment, as Jesus was falling headlong, as it were, into that dark abyss of hopelessness, in his dying breath, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He had just said, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, Jesus wasn't mincing words. Hmm? All he knew was emptiness and blackness and separation. And yet, here he is by faith. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now that's a hero. That's somebody we can believe in. The man, Christ Jesus, who now is there interceding on our behalf. Right now. Right now. Right now. Think about it. Can you, can you just close your eyes for a moment? Can you picture him? Can you picture him whispering into his father's ear about you? Hmm? He's not going, mm, I don't know about that one. No, no, no. He's got joy on his face. Scripture says he's not ashamed to call us brethren. 
He's not ashamed to call us his family. He's proud of you. He's delighted in you. And he's speaking to his father on your behalf. Sometimes we don't get all the words right. Sometimes Paul said we don't know how to pray as we ought. Sometimes we don't get all the words right. So Jesus is there to say, this is what they mean. I understand what they're, where they're coming from. I, I, know, I know what they mean. We have somebody that can understand us and, and can sympathize with our weakness so that he can help make sense of it. Isn't that glorious? Amen. Why don't we just stand together for just a moment? Can we just worship the man Christ Jesus? Let's just lift our hands to the mediator and bless his holy name. That great mediator who on that cross, on that cross, what was happening in, the, in, 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 in this realm of, of God and being so distant from man, here Jesus was suspended between the two. And with one hand, he reached down and he took the hand of the offending sinner. And with that other hand, he reached up and took the hand of the offended God and he reconciled them. And he brought them back together in a right relationship, communion that is everlasting. Thank you, Lord, for that unbroken fellowship that you brought for us with our God. Thank you, Jesus, that you brought us together. It was your blood. We who were far off have now been brought near by the blood of Jesus. So we rejoice in your sacrifice. We rejoice. We bless you, our mediator. Thank you. Thank you that you're speaking on our behalf right now. Thank you that your blood is speaking better things than that of Abel. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking it all on yourself. Thank you for taking the blame for my faults and my failures and my sins. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And in exchange, giving me righteousness. In exchange, making me holy and upright and above reproach in God's sight. Thank you, Jesus, for that. For all eternity, for all eternity, we'll never get tired of praising you for that. We'll always stand in awe of this Savior of ours. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for dying for our sins. Thank you. And thank you for not staying dead. Thank you for rising from the dead, because we all now know, so will we. Hallelujah. Since you rose, so shall we. Hallelujah. Why? Because we are laying hold on eternal life. Thank you, Lord. We have this hope. We don't weep like those who have no hope. No, we understand that death is just a threshold into real life. Thank you, Lord, for that. It's just a doorway. That's all. It's not the end. Hallelujah. Thank you for that assurance that we have in you, Jesus. That as long as you are there, that man seated next to the Father, we all have hope. We all have access. A new and living way has been provided for us. Thank you that now we have peace with God. Say that tonight. Say, I have peace with God. I have peace with God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Peace with God. Erene. I love that word. It's the end to the rage and havoc of war. A state of national tranquility. Thank you, Lord, for that. Now, Lord, I bless everyone here. Lord, I think I just pronounce blessing upon blessing over them. Healing in their homes, healing in their bodies. Lord, healing in their minds. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name for your anointing that breaks every yoke and removes every burden. 
thank you, Lord, for peace that passes all understanding to guard their hearts and minds. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God, that you've empowered your people. Empowered your people with a message, the message of reconciliation. The word of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them. Lord, that we would go wherever we go and we would sense that compelling as though God were pleading through us, like, the, like Paul said, as though God were pleading through us, be reconciled to God. Thank you, Father God, that that message burns in us and it flows freely out of us, that we will be bold and courageous, Lord, with this good news, because this world, above anything, so desperately needs to hear that news. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. And Lord, I thank you that as your people go home tonight, they get settled in the bed, that they will both yeah. lie down yeah. in peace and sleep. For you yeah. alone, O oh Lord, make yeah. them dwell right. in safety. In Jesus' right. mighty name. And now may the Lord bless you yeah. and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you right. and be gracious to you right. and give you peace. In Jesus' right. mighty name. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.